Around Comics, Episode 14. Thank you for listening to another episode of Around Comics, where every week we assemble a new panel to discuss topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman. I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the producer of the show, Brian Salazar. Greetings, everyone. Our first guest on the panel is a longtime friend of the show. He is the artist of Scar Tissue. He is Dave Wachter. Thanks for having me. And our next guest is another longtime contributor. He can tell you everything you need to know about Flash and then do your taxes. He is Tom Caters. Hello, I'm using a Radio Shack microphone. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Gentlemen, welcome to the show and thank you for being on Around Comics. Uh, our topic this week is a very good one, I believe. Uh, we are taking a headline ripped from the pages of Wired Wire Comics News, and everyone here agreed that it deserved its own segment. Today we are talking about product placement in comic books. To give everyone a little background and get them up to speed, we're going to move over to the news desk and queue up our new segment. This is an Around Comics special report. This story was originally reported in the Wall Street Journal by Brian Steinberg. Superheroes like Superman and Spider-Man can save mankind from natural disasters, space aliens, and evil mutants, but there's one thing they are powerless to stop. Advertisers shilling products within the pages of the comic books they call home. Over the past few months, Marvel Entertainment has begun putting the swoosh logo from Nike in the scenes of some of its titles, such as New X-Men. So far, the emblem has appeared on a car door and on a character's t-shirt. Last week, Daimler Chrysler finalized an ad pack that will include product placements in Marvel Comics. Marvel titles will feature Dodge's new car, the Caliber, in the book's cityscapes, including on billboards, t-shirts, or signs over the next four to eight months. Both Pontiac and Dodge are getting the product placement deals as part of a larger ad buy. The two car companies are purchasing print ads as well, and it's the first time either automaker has taken out an ad in a comic book. Product placement has become commonplace in movies and TV shows. Now it's coming to comic books, in part because the industry's two giants, DC and Marvel, are promoting some of their titles as places to reach one of Madison Avenue's most elusive audiences guys in their 20s. Notoriously hard to reach, young adult males are known to be wary of traditional sales pitches, especially ones that get in the way of their entertainment. Lately, readers of comic books have gotten older. On Madison Avenue, there is a large misunderstanding of who is reading these titles and what they are paying attention to. The genre suffered a slump beginning in the early 1990s that lasted until the first Spider-Man movie was released in 2002. In that time, fans who kept buying the books have grown older, now reaching into their 20s, 30s, and early 40s. The recent wave of hit films featuring comic book heroes has gotten consumers, including older ones, interested in comic books again. Estimates place the comic book market at a worth of about 400 to 450 million dollars, with more Marvel controlling about 37% and DC capturing around 33%. Weaving products into comics is not entirely new. 
DC says that in the 1960s, it produced comic book series based on toys such as Captain Action or Hot Wheels in response to advertiser relationships. The new automaker's ads will be less overt. All right, there you have it, folks. Uh, ads are not only in comics, but now ads are in comics. Placement in comics is what we're talking about today. Uh, before we get to some of the obvious concerns about uh, having logos, ads, billboards, etc., from advertisers in comics, I do want to touch on some of the positives of placement in comics. Uh, I'm going to start out with Tom. Do you see any positives from ad placement? Well, I think if there's any positive, it's that it's a way for them to make money, which is, I guess, a positive for them, and it's a business. So, I mean, that's important. They're not running charities for our benefit, for us to, you know, to get comic books because we're addicted to them. But, uh, I mean, that's one benefit. It's another revenue stream for an industry that's having problems finding new revenue streams. Uh, I agree with that. We'll move over to Dave Wachter. Do you have any positives in product placement? Um, well, I know some of the positives that I've heard, uh, so I can't say that I agree with them all, but uh, one of them is, is like what Tom mentioned, and I can see that so that you're helping keep this business alive and thriving, which is what we all want. Uh, I've also heard um, the idea that this will either lower... I don't believe it all. Or whole prices where they are, that they do not go up faster. Now, this is an argument I've heard. I'm not advocating it. I don't think and anyone believes that. No, I don't think so either. But that's one of the arguments. Another argument is that in a time uh, when a lot of the art is trying to be more realistic, that we live in a world where there are ads everywhere, where people wear logos on their T-shirts, and there's billboards everywhere. So having these things around presents a more realistic picture of the world that they would be reflecting through the art of that. Sure. Sal, how about you? Any positives? Oh, I don't know if I can find many positives beyond what, what's already been talked about. Um, I, I think in one way, maybe it, it could be beneficial to fans is that it, it could possibly um, lead to a wider acceptance and understanding of the medium and that in turn could you know to lead to other things if if you know Madison Avenue is now looking at comic books as a viable place to put advertising of you know cars and iPods or whatever else it will hopefully lead to um, like I said a, a wider acceptance of the medium and, and a better understanding of the people that read it and and it's maybe power Absolutely. I, uh, I see one positive, and that is we're talking about it. We pulled this story out of the Wall Street Journal. Comic books don't get reported in the Wall Street Journal very often, or really any other major media outlets for that matter. If this story is big enough that it's going to put a spotlight on the medium, you know, any news is good news. Any publicity is good news whenever it comes to comic books, in my opinion. So that is uh, a definite positive that I see. 
uh, where this goes, uh, we'll see. It's, I, I think it's going to be a wait and see from the comic book fan perspective, but it's, uh, I think it's just that. Uh, Dave, you are a comic book artist. The next thing I wanted to touch on was the advertiser-editor-artist relationship. Now that editors are going to be approached by the upper brass to insert product placements into comics, then the editors are going to have to talk to their writers and their artists. How do you, as an artist, feel about an editor coming to you and saying, on page 22, panel 3, I see a place where we can put a product placement, and I want you to draw this in. How do you feel about that? Um, part of me uh, hates the idea um, completely. and uh, But uh, a new part of me that comes from me getting a little older says that this is a realistic thing that's going to be happening. You've already got, you know, uh, artists like to say, yeah, we're artists, we're doing things for art's sake, but when you get into comic books, it really is a form of commercial art, and you're already making certain um, changes based on that. I mean, you go into it making changes to, to your style, even so subliminally. Um, the, but a real problem I have with that is, is that these ads are now a Affecting content, and that would, so that affects what I would be doing. And I think it's one thing to have an editor approach you about um, um, the way the story is being told, and for a, a story reason or uh, maybe an idea that's in it um, will better um, enlighten the reader to what the character is, or, or something like that. And that's the editor's job. Um, and when they start coming in and they've got somebody behind them now, the, the marketing person saying, well, we need to get some ad, this many ad placements in there. Now the editor basically has a new job. And now he's taking that down to the artist. And I think not all artists are going to have a problem. A lot of them know that this is a business and that they have to draw basically what they're being told to draw, especially if they want to work. You know, it's so hard to get into business. By the time you finally get there, you're almost ready to draw anything. Yeah. So I think a lot are gonna are gonna be fine with it. I personally, it would it would sting a little. I wouldn't, you know. But what would I turn down a nice paying gig with one of these big companies because of that? I that would be ridiculous. Well, you know, I, I look at a comic like Daredevil, which is a pretty good seller, you know. But there are issues in Daredevil where you're looking at 22 pages of courtroom scene. Now, I can imagine an editor going to Brian Michael Bendis, you know, at the time, or now Ed Brubaker, and saying, you know, we need at some point in the story to get out of the courtroom so we can get outside and see a billboard or see a car passing on the street. Mm. Sal, what do you think the reaction of writers is going to be when editors start coming to them and saying, you need to change some of the content of your story to fit in some product placement? Well, that's going to be, you know, the issue is how mm. far are these companies willing to go to whore themselves out and whore these products out where they're changing the basic, you know, story structure or adding scenes or you know whatever it is they need to do to try and get more revenue 
Um, you know, you have a very large base of good creators that are signed to exclusives to both DC and Marvel. And is that going to be something that in the future these people are going to look at and go, you know what, I'm just tired of, of having to draw Coca-Cola cans, or I'm, I'm tired of having to write scenes where everyone's wearing a, a certain t-shirt or they're driving a certain car. I, I think it, in that sense it can be detrimental in the long run because as as we all know these are creative people these are artists that are working in a medium that they love and as you you start to you know degrade that uh, there's only so much people will put up with certainly you know for security for for financial reasons i think you can do so much but if it gets to the point where and depending on the writer i mean can you imagine you know uh, an editor at Marvel telling Warren Ellis that he has to change his story because they need to put a billboard up. Ellis would break a whiskey bottle over his head. <laughs> That's what I mean. So I, I think at some point, depending on who who it's going to be or who it might be, or you're going to have um, issues that could arise depending on how far they want to push it. Well, I'm going to uh, move on here for a second. The types of comics that are going to that are going to have product placements in there. Everyone on this panel, I, I know, buys mainstream comics, but for the majority of us, I think that we all dig a little bit beyond the top sellers, and we all buy indie books. We all buy a lot of the second tier books. You know, the Captain Americas, the Daredevils. Not, you know, we don't necessarily all buy, you know, Uncanny X Men. Not yet before Brubaker. I see a lot of. The, the product placements being in the higher selling books. Those are the ones that are going to appeal to Daimler Chrysler or Coke or Nike. Tom, as, as a fan that reads a lot of stuff, knowing that it's only probably going to get into a handful of the books that you read, does it bother you? Well, I think there's absolutely no way it won't work its way into all the books in Marvel eventually. Because if they've just discovered now that people in their 20s enjoy reading comic books, it's only going to be a matter of time before marketers start to pick out even smaller niche groups within those larger groups saying, well, this is the type of person that reads <coughs> these types of stories. You know, here's an opportunity for you to advertise this. I mean, I just... At first, I think you'll definitely, it'll only be in the top selling books, but I have a hard time believing that they won't start doing it with all of them. Because, I mean, to Marvel or DC or whoever it is, I mean, they've already done, they've already crossed, you know, the Rubicon. They've already gone that far. They're, they're, I don't think they'll have any problem being like, well, you want to put something in Daredevil? Alright, you can put it in Daredevil. I mean, it's, people making these deals aren't Daredevil fans. Yeah, they, 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 they're going to look at numbers yeah. of, of copies sold. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait for them to, to look at good numbers on like Green Lantern Corps and say, oh, we need to get you know some Starbucks in there. Yeah, just Starbucks in outer space. Also remember, though, that this isn't going to be like a direct marketing campaign as much as it's a branding awareness. And, you know, can you really imagine some, you know, marketing intern sitting, you know, in an office somewhere, flipping through every Marvel and DC comic every month to see where their ads are placed 
and and how it's being used. I mean, they're, they're going to look I at want, the numbers. I want that job. I want to be that guy. <laughs> but they're going to look at the numbers. They're going to look at the top-selling books, and they're going to try and figure out in some way to to capitalize on that. And then they're just going to stick, you know, whatever product placement they can in there. I, personally, I think it's a fad. I don't think it'll last. I don't, I, I don't think that in... Ten years, you're, you're going to see much of it. I think it'll it'll be in a, a, a small blip on the radar. Oh, I think you're wrong. I, I think yeah. it's here to stay. These adver- yeah, these advertisers, they always, they, you know, the marketing companies, the advertising companies, they 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 oversaturate. You know, they come mm-hmm. in, they come up with a new idea. I was thinking about television the other day. You watch your television, and I remember a few years ago when you started seeing the 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 logo emblem faded in the corner mm-hmm. of the network right and they're like oh they got a new way to advertise it and then suddenly you got these little ads popping up and now you've got full motion takes up the bottom third of the screen ads people dancing around sound effects during the show yeah. I mean they will come in with a little idea they'll break they'll break in just test the waters if they think it works then they're going to completely fill the pool well you know this is what's interesting uh, Sal and I both work in marketing to a degree and you know you talk about advertising companies and marketing companies there are actually product placement companies these companies are out there they exist in in TV and and uh, movies these companies are sources for the people that work on the sets of these of these productions if they need a a treadmill you know Sal and I both work in in fitness if they need a treadmill they call one of these product placement companies and say hey I need a treadmill on the set of Boston legal can you send one over to me and they'll send it over now these product placement companies they approach different companies and say hey we provide products to XXX and X studios for uh, an ungodly amount of money, we will put your products in our warehouses and guarantee a certain number of placements. Now, with comic books, you don't have to actually supply a product. All you got to do is draw it in. So, you know, that that is interesting. Now that you've listened to the podcast, head to the forum section of AroundComics.com to post your thoughts on the show and talk with other comic fans from around the globe. Now, on on the side of movies and and TV, Sal, do you feel like product placement has cheapened your uh, your experience in in movies and TV? Well, you know, quite honestly, most of the time I'm not paying much attention to it. I think that generally if I notice it, it's because it's not done very well. And, and it, you know, this sort of advertising should be where you, it's almost subconscious. You're not really noticing that they're putting this information out there for you to to see. Um, There are times where I feel that it's been done that it, didn't necessarily cheapen an experience, but it sort of is a slap in the face sometimes that you realize you may care about something more so than the people that own it. And I think this is sort of the case, and we see it a lot in comics, of that, unfortunately, as fans, we have a deeper connection with these characters and these titles than the people that own them and and create them. Well, not necessarily create them, but the people that, that... sell them 
Uh, you know, I, I agree. It, it, whenever you see in, in a movie or TV, whenever the person holding the Pepsi can is holding it very awkward, and you can tell it's to get that can to face the camera, or the way that they're sitting on the desk, they're contorted to make sure that they're showing a logo on a, on a T-shirt, and that's whenever it becomes painfully obvious to me. Um, in, in comic books, I, I think it will be, you know, very much the same. So, it's going to be a lot of it's going to depend on on who the artist is, who the editor is, and how much they want to push it. Um, Dave, kind of getting back to the realism of it and and a positive on product placement. If someone has a, a, a shirt that has a, a swoosh on it, but not the swoosh, and it's a, yeah, it was on one of the forums, someone said, you know, I'd rather see a Nike swoosh than a Psyche noosh. You know, the, realism, I mean, does that help for you? Um, it doesn't for me. Uh, one of the main reasons is I actually think that, I heard this argument and I was thinking about it, that I actually think that when you put real products into a comic book, it hurts the realism. Uh, because, you know, especially with a lot of those type of stories these are going into, uh, one of the main features is escapism, is, is really the function of these comics. And you really want to be submerged into what the reality of that story is. And that reality is separate from our reality. And you want to be immersed into it and you don't want to be reminded all of a sudden here's an ad and they stick out like a sore thumb I mean I saw that example they had up in the newspaper on the t-shirt and it was just like glowing yeah but but what if if it's done well if someone is you know if Spider-Man is swinging through Times Square and you see a Coca-Cola banner across one of the signs but it, it mixes in with the art it looks like it should Along there, is that going to be better than like a nozzle cola? Well, I kind of miss. But Tom and I were talking about this. We kind of miss the old fake products. Like this will be lost. This is a, a like an aspect that artists bring to it, and they put a little bit of their personality in that panel when they put because they can put some sort of product, and depending on what they call it, and sort of make it rhyme with a real product, they can actually be making a commentary yeah. on that product. Crashing or belly burger. Yeah. And, and, you know, so they're, they're getting another idea in. And it's like just one of those cool little things that they get a chance to do that when you put real products in, you're going to lose that completely. And I always kind of like that because that's part of the world of the comic book. It's not our world. It you is know, your you bring up a good point. It was, uh, when, you, when you said that, it, it brought up, I was just reading a book uh, by Lawrence Block who is a uh, science fiction, or uh, I'm sorry, a crime novelist. And he was, uh, it was a book um, about writing. And he was talking about um, how he'll be reading, you know, when people write uh, fiction but based in reality. And he, he remembers write, reading a story by someone, and, and it was this great story. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of it, there was, like, real events, the, the things that he knows happened, and it completely took him out of the story. And, and almost ruined it for him because, you know, that, that suspension of, of disbelief is there and, and, you know, it doesn't take very much to, you know, turn that off. Um, and I, I think I understand what Dave was saying is that, you know, you're immersed in this world that you know is based on your reality, but it isn't. Um, you know, the, the world of the X-Men is not our, our world, but there is a certain amount of realism to it 
but if all of a sudden you start introducing, you know, it's like if you're reading a, a comic about, um, you know, the presidency, and you see George Bush drawn as the president, it, it does almost take take you out of that story, or at least for me, because you don't expect to see a real character in a fantasy story. I always like it whenever the president is a, an unrecognizable character. It's in it, shadow. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it's, it is kind of jarring whenever it's the president. And it also dates it, and that's probably another point. Do you feel like product placement is going to further date comics? Tom? No. <laughs> you, know, you know why? Because I think the, the, the biggest problem I see with it is that, and this is going to be me whining about culture as well, is um, we've gotten to the point now where Nike and Coca-Cola and McDonald's and all these things are ideas now that are bigger than just shoes and soda and food. They're like... Their lifestyle. They're selling you a lifestyle that's attached to these things. So I, I would never worry about dating because Nike doesn't really mean shoes all that much anymore to anyone. And the shoes is one of the things that get sold with Nike, which I also think is one of the more nefarious parts of product placement is sort of the sort of over, you know, saturation of what, you know, Coca-Cola, Nike, all their advertising. Their advertising is content. So, I mean, dating to me isn't part of it because I can't imagine Coca-Cola not being around or McDonald's not being around. Well, and, yeah. and that's that's taking product placement, yeah. you know, to, you know, that, that's what they do it. Yeah. They spend a lot of money on that. They spend a lot of money on advertising, but they are very concerned. And don't think for a second that they're not. They are very concerned with making sure that their product is part of pop culture. Yeah. yeah. No, the Nike swoosh is is iconic as you know the bat signal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Just and, do it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just as much part. I mean, people won't forget that. Well, I mean, it were it's, and that's part of I think well, my biggest problem with it is is that people say you put a Nike swoosh on it, it's not that big of a deal because you would just have a fake one on there, and I'm like. Thinking no, because you see a Nike swoosh, and that is content right there. These companies do such a good job of making their advertising more than just like in the old days back in the fifties, where you'd see like a billboard saying "Buy this shaving cream." Like they sell an idea bigger than the product that they you know sell. So I would recommend to anyone reading No Logo. No one's ever read that book because they talk a lot about that. And I've been thinking a lot about that about this topic. Well, well, here here's a question. Okay, now in, in comics, definitely in the last few years, people have really taken note of the sheer volume of ads in books. I mean, it's it's disruptive whenever you are reading a book and you get to this climactic moment and you flip the page expecting the big payoff and there's like WWE. <laughs> Action figures, and you're like, oh god, god you flip the page. Get rid of soon. <laughs> and it's what? What if through product placement, they cut the ads down by two or three an issue? Uh, they're not going to do that. No, I know they're not going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and the prices aren't going down; they'll go up just like everything else. Is because you know they're not looking out for our well-being. They're they're looking to put money in their pockets, mm-hmm. and they're perfectly happy to ruin a medium. I mean, and people, the, the reason they have to keep finding different inroads to advertise to us is because they just completely use up everything else, just like 
you know, somebody with allergies uses up a Kleenex brand tissue. <laughs> but it, it is like that. They, I can't, I can't listen to commercial radio anymore, and a lot of people can't, and they go away from it because the commercials. They listen to podcasts and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where there aren't commercials, or they they TiVo. Yeah, we've we got our first commercial in this episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, but people are people are running away from these things now because they really just they push it on you, um, and it's like a virus, and it just keeps spreading. And if they totally fill up an area where the people finally revolt, then they have to find another way in. Well, but you're paying for it either way. I mean, you, if you're you're not listening to commercial radio, you're you know getting XM or Sirius, and you're paying a monthly subscription. It's like cable television. So, are we going to see in the future, you know, non-ad? comic books at a premium so i mean you already have trades so our trades you know our trades now going to have that pulled out of it and be sold at a premium if they, if they start reprinting ads and trades i'm i'm i'm, I'm done product placement everywhere and trades. yeah well this is something that was really interesting dave and i were talking before the show what, what were you saying about the product placement how they are how they're setting this up from an art standpoint well, I'm not sure exactly, but this is something I guess I read on the forum. I think Matt may have seen it, said it. Is that for every printing they can just uh, say they tell an artist to leave a blank space here, leave a blank space there. We'll put the ads in later. You just leave the empty T-shirt or the empty billboard or the mm -hmm. television that's mm -hmm. on. Then they put the ads in, and for the second printing of the book, it can be different ads. And then when you go to trade, they can put different ads in. And it can keep switching. They can just juggle it around for whoever decides. Somebody else decides to pay a little bit more or someone else wants to pull their ads. The next printing will put different advertising God, in. Can you imagine that in a book like you know, V for Vendetta, that 20 years yeah. ago they, they'd have like you know, a kangaroos billboard and now in like the you know, 57th printing or whatever they've got a, a Nike um, billboard. Yeah. Yeah, Alan Moore, I can already, you know, hear the he's blood running out of his ears. He's pounding on your door right now. Yeah. I can't wait for the day when they go back to reprint Silver Age stuff and they decide to include product placement <laughs> in it all. You know, oh, Barry it's Allen can be wearing, you know, new Nike running shoes, some retro ads from the. I mean, because I know that just sounded really silly and I just thought that, but. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, thanks, Tom. You just, you know, some marketing idiot somewhere is going to pick that up, and you're going to, you know, it's all your fault. Edit, 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 edit this out. Yeah, well, but they're out of ideas, I think, most of these ad guys. So as soon as a new one comes along, they just use it up. Well, you know, it said it in the, in the Wall Street story. The market that they're going after are guys in their 20s. You know, I'm not a part of that anymore. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, what they're saying is that it, thanks, Tom. <laughs> what, what what they're saying is that guys in their twenties are are smarter than your average consumer when it comes to advertising. We as as a culture have grown up in it, and you know you, you can smell an ad like a fart in a car. And w they have to find new and subversive ways to to market and brand to that age group. And product placement is is one of them. Well, and and you know the other thing I thought about is is this sort of a, a sign that these companies have given up any attempt to try and sell to new audiences? 
Um, I mean, we we all kind of know that is what they're doing anyway. But I, I mean, I know I've kind of always felt that at least in some small way that, that Marvel and DC were trying to find new readers. But I mean, isn't this sort of them saying, well, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna get new readers, so let's maximize our profits for the core readership that we have right now. And, and not worry about uh, selling more comics as opposed to finding other ways to bring in revenue. Well, absolutely. I mean, they're 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 not putting you know product placement into comics to draw people in. No one's going to read new X Men because you know someone has a Nike shirt. So now, hard to find those. In, now, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I haven't seen that. What's what Sal? Be, before we go on, can you clarify that? that panel from that new X-Men book. Sure. You, you told us about this right before we recorded tonight. Yeah, there, there's a website, um, thegreatcurve.net, which is a blog um, about comics and, and the industry. And on there, uh, after that Wall Street Journal article went up and every comic site uh, grabbed you know, onto that, um, the, the, the guy put uh, a blog about that image that they used of uh, the character Wallflower with a, a blue shirt on with a white Nike symbol on it. And it seems that that image was photoshopped by the Wall Street Journal uh, because the actual comic of X Men number tw- or New X Men number 20 with that panel does not have that Nike symbol on it. Um, the the caption in the original article read Nike product placements in the Marvel comic book New X Men, but that is inaccurate as you know that that image did not appear in that book that way. So um, just to sort of clear that up. But the interesting thing was in in the panel, um, I think on the next page there was actually a character with a Nike uh, shirt. Uh, there was a logo on his back. But they didn't use that in the article, so it was just some sort of um, screw up by the Wall Street Journal. Okay, but you know, it, they did have a product placement in that issue, but not on that panel, and you know, maybe it, uh, it wasn't prominent enough. So probably a liberal con- media conspiracy. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Dave, well, I was like, you can't when I said that. Oh, so Dave's Dave's here, and we just <laughs> mentioned politics. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you can't trust the press either, you know? Oh. I mean, who can you trust anymore? <laughs> Me. Us. Yes, trust around, around comics. Trust. You can we trust are us. your friends. <laughs> this episode of Around Comics is brought to you by Dark Tower Comic Books and Collectibles. Already Chicago's source for the best in comic selection, knowledge, and service, we're announcing that Dark Tower is getting even better. Dark Tower is moving. As of Monday, May 1st, you can visit their new location at 4835 Northwestern Avenue. What does this mean to you? A bigger store, bigger selection, more room for gaming, and more parking. Dark Tower still offers one of the best pull list memberships in Chicago, but don't forget about their trade paperback readers program and convenient pre-ordering. Because of the move, Dark Tower is having a mega moving sale. Between now and April 30th, go to their store at 4612 North Lincoln Avenue and take advantage of an amazing 50% off all back issues, all trades and collected editions, and half off all $1 comics. You can also take 50% off their entire stock of hero clicks and 25% off all statues and toys. Need back issues? Buy a long box for $100 and fill it with as many $1 comics as you can fit. For more information, call Dark Tower at 773-506-0400 or visit them on the web at darktowercomics.net. 
Now, we did bring this topic up on the forum today, and we did get some very good responses. Uh, Sal, do you have some of those forum posts for us? I do. Uh, let's see. Our first one is from Matt Est, who uh, everyone knows, Matt. Uh, Matt said, well, we've gotten used to uh, product placement in movies and TV shows, and I don't necessarily mind it if it isn't done in a ridiculously clumsy way. As in, hey, Veronica Mars, check out my new Ford Taurus. It sure gets great gas mileage. The problem with uh, product placement in comics, though, is a bigger deal. When is enough going to be enough? We are already treated to, 15 to 10 to 15 pages of ads in a normal monthly comic, and prices are only going higher. Two ninety nine a book, and I got to flip through this many ads. On top of that, I know I now have to see Wolverine wearing Reeboks. Where is the payoff for the fans? At least with ads on TV, we're getting to see the show for free. It seems a fair trade-off. More ads in comics with prices climbing. Enough is enough. That sounds like a Matt post. <laughs> we love Matt. I hope he's enjoying Maine right now. He's on vacation eating lobster. Nice. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, we, we kind of said the same thing. It's just a matter of how much are they going to try and, you know, push. Yeah, if, if Wolverine shows up in Reeboks, I'm done. Nothing but Nikes for me. I think Wolverine's more of a um, K-Knights type guy. <laughs> K-Swiss. K-Swiss. Actually, he would wear Wolverines. Pumas. <laughs> <laughs> End of the show, everyone. Thank you. I'm done. Thank you. Maybe Puma, the character Puma, could come back and... Puma just, you know, would license him for his own book. Uh, Stop giving them ideas. Uh, I'm just horrified of what they have <laughs> fashion shoes. Oh, no. wow. Alright, our, our, uh, our next one is from Brody Baggins. And he hey, posted, uh, My feeling is that if the comics are going to make a conscious choice to set the comic in a real-world setting and make all the backgrounds and landmarks relatable to a real-world place, then the ads and logos are not only welcome, but expected. If Spider-Man swings through Times Square, I would rather see Coke, Disney, and Motorola, not Poke, Krizny, and Votermola. As for t-shirts and shoes with recognizable logos, that is a different story. In moderation, it's wonderful... Uh, it, it's wonderful and adds to the real-world feel of the stories. Young kids would want to find the same shirt his or her favorite hero wore. That's cute and harmless. Now, if Nike added the logo to the X uniforms, or a future person comes back to the past with vintage 2007 Converse All-Stars, then we have crossed the line. Like with all things, excess kills. Product placement and moderation is fine in real-world settings as it adds to the reality of the situation. So the X-Men sponsored by Nike... You know, or you know, it'd be like uh, Jordan in the Olympics. You know, the X Men would be sponsored by Adidas, but Wolverine signed another deal with Nike, and so he wears the flag over his emblem. There's enough X Men titles that all the shoe companies can probably get in on it for each one. Yeah, yeah Aston astonishing X Men. Astonishing X Men. Moderation. Moderation is not a word that these marketing companies know. Hey, I, I work in marketing, and you're right. There is no such thing as moderation. You hit it as hard and fast as you can and saturate, 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 yeah. because in this climate with branding, if you don't do that, you get lost in the storm. And well, so, yeah, you're right. There is no moderation. Well, uh, it's, to have moderation, you would have to have someone neutral between the two figure it out, but that's not the way this relationship works. No. You know, like, marketers are going to try and put as much in there and these companies are going to try and make as much money from that, and from that combination, you won't usually get 
moderation. <laughs> You'll get maybe moderation through failure, but not moderation through careful, thoughtful process. Oh, if it's yeah. successful, you know, forget yeah, it. It's, yeah. it's, it's over. Uh, what else do we have, Sal? Uh, David posted, uh, as long as it does not interfere with the flow of the story, it's not that big of a deal. If my eyes are drawn to a bottle of Coke or a box of Pampers, we've got problems. It's subtle for the most part in movies and on TV. Keep it that way in the comics. How many of us say Xerox instead of photocopy, Kleenex instead of tissue? It is everywhere, but we should be able to minimize it in the comics. There was an issue of Black Panther a couple of years ago, issue number 53, I think, where Okaye, I don't know how to pronounce that name, O-K-O-Y-E, is driving T'Challa and the Black Panther, I don't want to spoil it, towards what appears to be the Throg's Neck Bridge or Whitestone Bridge. And off on the side there are two billboards. One is a generically drawn ad and the other is an orange-colored white dotty truth ad. I believe after they decided Logan should cut down on smoking, Marvel partnered with Truth to advertise within the story pages of their books. It didn't sway me from reading this comic. I noticed it, chuckled, and kept reading. My only problem is if this is going to date the stories more than they already are. It may look corny to have someone wearing what would equal a Max Headroom t-shirt in a few years in one of today's books. I can picture it now. Hey Reed, fire up the Foreman Grill since Johnny's not here to cook me up some burgers. <laughs> I, I think my response to that was the Foreman Grill is timeless. <laughs> I just thought of something that you know my joke earlier about Silver Age comics having ads. Imagine if someone did like a, a Silver Age comic like yeah. where like Barry Allen stops to enjoy some <laughs> flavorful Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> There's no ill health effects from that. Or like Captain America enjoys like a Camel cigarette while you know hanging out with Bucky, like yeah. old Golden Age, just like. Watch the JSA sitting around a table, all smoking cigarettes. And did the JSA smoke? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's like it's a JSA presented by Marlboro. It's, it's like those old uh, Batman stories, you know, Daddy Spank, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Papa Spank. <laughs> Sal, do we? Do we? <laughs> we have one from Equinox. Okay. Uh, he said, I'm fine with products or logos being put into comics as long as they don't detract from the story and its presentation. I don't expect my kids to wear plain shirts and jackets to school each day. Why should we expect the same thing from comic characters? As an extension of this, I also feel that comic publishers should know when it is appropriate to have logos on certain characters. For example, within a JSA story, if you show Stargirl and Wildcat in their civilian identities, it would make sense to have Courtney wearing a Nike hooded sweatshirt, but having Ted Grant appear in the same style of clothing would most likely seem out of place. Comic publishers are going to keep looking for new ways to increase the revenue that is generated by their books. Just as the internet is changing the way that advertisers are targeting consumers in general, comics also have to adapt to their methods of earning more advertising dollars per book. All right, it's. Uh, I, I don't know if I agree with all those points. Uh, um, that does prove that we we do have some pretty pretty keen posters. They they sound like they know what they're talking about. But, but how is the spelling? But yeah, how is the grammar? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, everyone seems to say it's okay if it's in moderation, and I think that's that's the key is moderation. But I don't I don't trust moderation when it comes to this. Sal, you. Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be a, a balancing act, and, and, you know, I just don't know if there are people in place that can do that well. 
um, you know, I think we have to sort of expect the worst, hope for the best, and it'll probably lie somewhere in between. Uh, I hope so, and uh, it, we could talk about this for, for quite a while, but uh, I, I think we should probably move on to some final thoughts and pick up the conversation again on the forum. Uh, Mr. Caters, can you give me some of your final thoughts? Um, I guess my final thought on it would be for everyone to be careful about saying that they're okay with advertising being everywhere. I know it's kind of a popular opinion for people to assume that, you know, they are impervious to this type of cultural branding, but no one is, so... Just as a word of warning, I think that uh, it's not so innocent all the time. And I'm not saying that all this product placement some sort of work of the devil or something, but you do need to be aware of the sort of effects these things can have on content and creation. So just a um, word of warning for when you like playing. So. Mr. Wacta. Yeah, I would just like to put out a plea to uh, everyone listening who does not want to see these ads in their comics or uh, to see them get out of control because as soon as their foot is in the door, it is my belief that they will take every inch that they can get. So if you see something that you don't like with this, uh, the comic book, comic book companies are one of the few places that will actually listen to what their fans have to say. So... Contact Marvel, contact DC, and if you don't like it, let them know. If you do uh, approve of it, then um, don't do anything. So that the rest of us can sound like the only voice and tell these companies that it is not what we want to see because we have to stop it now if we're going to stop it at any time. It'll just get worse. It'll just get so ingrained that we'll be stuck with it forever. So get out there, write your emails. Send it to uh, the head honchos there at DC and Marvel and let them know that we're not going to take it. <laughs> we're going to stand up for our rights as comic book consumers. And we will not accept the kind <laughs> of treatment. Unite everyone. Just so, basically, if you don't want to see it, then you've got to let your voice be heard. Absolutely. Sal? Your final thoughts? Well, you know, it, it, it's certainly nothing new in any type of, you know, uh, commercial business to, to try and find new streams of revenue. Um, it shouldn't be a surprise to any of us that, that these companies are willing to do it. Um, it will, you know, we'll wait and see uh, how bad it gets. And I think that's sort of the, the key is that you, we know how fickle comic book fans can be. The readership has been steadily going down for quite a while, um, regardless of the recent slight resurgence, the numbers today are, are much lower than what they once were. And I think the only reason this will work, and the only reason that marketing companies will come to Marvel or DC or any other comic book publisher is if their titles are selling. So if it gets to the point where it's obtrusive and fans are annoyed enough buy it not to buy the books those numbers will go down and you will not find companies willing to spend the money to put their ads in in these books 
Um, so that's my theory. I think at some point it will saturate, oversaturate. You know, as Dave said, the, the, these companies will come in. They'll test it. If it's any you know bit successful, they will come in gangbusters, and everyone will be doing it. But I think it'll it'll burn itself out. I think that at some point fans will complain and. Uh, you know, say what you will about Marvel to DC, they do listen when they're told the same thing enough times. So it'll come, it'll go, I think, and and uh, it won't be that big of a deal. And my final thoughts are, are pretty short, pretty sweet. This is not going to go away. It's going to continue to grow. Uh, Dave's right. the The foot is in the door. Get used to it, guys. But for comic fans out there, you're going to have options because it's not going to be in every book. It's not going to be in every title. You're going to be able to, as a consumer, not do this if you don't want to. If you don't like product placement, read other books. They're going to go after a lot of the the higher-selling books. And I hope that as you mature as a comic reader you will be able to go and search out good quality books that product placement isn't going to be a mandated part of those books. We're not going to stop it. And for those that think that it's okay to start with and moderation is fine, you know, there's an old saying on, you know, how do you boil a frog? This is an old southern deal. You know, you don't throw a a frog into a pot of boiling water because he'll jump right out. You put them in a pot of water and you slowly raise the temperature and they don't notice that they're being boiled. That's what this will be. It will gradually grow over time and by the time we look back on it, it's going to be everywhere. So be aware of it. Don't be the frog. So those are my final thoughts. Uh, let's, uh, let's end the discussion. And that's country <laughs> wisdom. <by Chris laughs> I wanted that guy to try to fail. He's like, all right, I'm going to it. Oh, son of a bitch. He jumped right out. That frog's too smart to boil. <laughs> well, I come out here and Erase the temperature out of water. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to a lot of time on their hands and really hungry. Well, this is trial and error. <laughs> hey, Bessie Sue, problem for me. But just remember, you can put kittens in the oven, but it don't make them biscuits. You're making this up as you go, right? I mean... You're listening to Around Comics. You can even listen naked, and no one would ever know. But seriously, I wouldn't go around telling people about that, because it's pretty freaking weird. These are your top stories for the week of April 17th, 2006. Warners, Fox, and Verizon Wireless are teaming up to present Atomic County, the comics created by the character Seth Cohen on The O.C. The art on the show is actually drawn by cartoonist Eric Wright. The series will run as 14 animated episodes, which are available via mobile phones only to Verizon customers. Who owns Smallville? 
According to Variety, the ongoing Siegel-DC-Time Warner battle for Superboy took another step at the end of March when Judge Ronald S.W. Liu, in a summary judgment, found that Smallville may be infringing upon the copyright to Superboy. Warner, as it had done in answering the Siegel's complaint in late 2004, asserted that the Siegel's complaint claims infringement on the costume character of Superboy, which the Siegel's claim was created by Jerry. And Smallville does not feature Superboy, but rather a young Clark Kent, which appeared in Superman comics prior to the first publication of Superboy Comics, 1944. In making this claim, Warner Brothers said that the use of Clark Kent in Smallville is not subject to the termination of the transfer of copyright filed by the Seagulls, even if the court does find the termination to be valid. Win a trip to Comic-Con 2006. Dark Horse Comics announces the 2006 Comic-Con International San Diego Contest, designed to bring a Dark Horse fan to the largest comic convention in North America, July 20th through the 23rd at the San Diego Convention Center. Comic-Con International is the largest gathering of comic book publishers, creators, and professionals of any event of its kind in the world. The convention also features several other aspects of pop culture, including film and television screenings and autograph sessions with media stars. Dark Horse will select a grand prize winner to receive an all-expenses-paid trip to Comic-Con International 2006. Simply register to win at DarkHorse.com, and maybe you'll be heading to San Diego in July. Brione on White Tiger. Joining famed young adult fantasy author Tamara Pierce, French artist extraordinaire Phil Brione has signed on to do pencils and inks for the upcoming White Tiger series. I grew up with Marvel characters, says Brione. When Marvel offered me the opportunity to work on the new female White Tiger, I was immediately thrilled. The White Tiger series will focus on the new character introduced in Brian Michael Bendis' Daredevil run. With scripts by best-selling children's author Tamara Pierce, Brione is ready to bring his energetic pencils to the new female White Tiger. Femme Noir creators Christopher Mills and Joe Stanton, along with inker Horatio Odellini, are proud to announce the beginning of a new 28-week Femme Noir story arc, Blonde Justice, at SupernaturalCrime.com. The first weekly episode of the new story premiered on Tuesday, April 11th. Femme Noir is a web-exclusive mystery comic strip starring a mysterious female private eye operating in the dark city of Port Nocturne, a politically corrupt, crime-ridden metropolis where the smell of gunpowder hangs in the air like cheap perfume. Every black alley comes to a dead end, and justice is blonde. The Femme Noir comic updates every Tuesday at SupernaturalCrime.com. Divorce is always hard, especially when children are involved. Sometimes a family member is willing to do just about anything to see more of his or her loved ones, even if that means destroying the earth. For Emily Edison, those awkward teen years are about to get even more confusing. Emily Edison will be available in June and is written by David Hopkins and drawn by artist Brock Rizzi. Fans can also get an early look of the art of Emily Edison this month when Rizzi hosts a solo art exhibit at the Magnolia Bar Gallery in Dallas, Texas. Also, make sure to look for an excerpt of Emily Edison appearing this May on Free Comic Book Day in Viper Comics Presents Anthology. For more information on Emily Edison, visit vipercomics.com. Friends of Lulu, the national nonprofit organization whose purpose is to promote and encourage female readership and participation in the comic book industry, is launching a new fund and will be jumpstarting it at K 
tape this year. The fund will be for women in the industry who wish to pursue legal action in sexual assault cases by helping to provide money for representation and also emotional support when needed. For more information, go to ZeusComics.com. Next Wave in Crayon For Next Wave, Agents of Hate number 5, Marvel is releasing both a regular version as well as a crayon butchery variant, complete with crayon. Now you can not only read, but color Monica, the Captain, Boom Boom, Machine Man, and all your favorite Next Wave characters. Marvel is putting the crayon in your hands with this very special Next Wave Agents of Hate number 5 crayon butchery variant. Just remember to try and stay inside the lines. DC keeps going back to press. DC Comics Infinite Crisis and One Year Later continue to thrill comics fans. DC has added seven titles to the list of books going back to press for new printings. These three titles are scheduled to arrive in stores on May 3rd. Detective Comics number 817 will feature a combined version of the covers to Detective Comics 817 and 819. Infinite Crisis number 6 will feature an updated pencils-only version of Jim Lee's original cover art. And Teen Titans number 34, which will feature a pencils-only version of Tony Daniels' original cover art. These four titles are scheduled to arrive in stores on May 10th. Crisis Aftermath, The Battle for Bloodhaven number 1. It will feature a pencils-only version of the original cover art by Daniel Acuna. Detective Comics number 818 will feature a combined version of the covers to Detective Comics number 818 and Batman number 653 by Simon Bianchi. Green Arrow number 60 will feature a recolored version of the original cover by Scott McDaniel and Andy Owens. And finally, OMAC Project Infinite Crisis Special number 1, which will feature a new black and white cover. These have been your top stories for the week of April 17th, 2006. For the full version of these and other stories, please go to www.aroundcomics.com, your source for the best in comics, news, reviews, and opinions. And those are your top headlines for the week. Let's start at the top here. Verizon to run OC Comics over the phone. Who here is excited? I'm not excited, but uh, I do watch the OC regularly, and they managed to fit in a, a mention of that within the show. Because within the show, the character Seth Cohen wrote a comic book, and uh, he had a thing where one of the characters is like, look, they're putting your comic book over phones. And then they had a commercial for that for Verizon immediately afterwards. And this will be last uh, time on the, on the panel. Did you play it? I can't Did believe you? that Tom watches the OC. This is Alan Humbert, who wrote time. Young Avengers, wrote the first one and a half of the OC before he wrote Young Avengers and all the stuff he's doing now. He's going to be the guy writing Wonder Woman. One of his first big jobs in, t- in TV was writing the OC. Can, can he get a comic out on time now? No, not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, talked to, he well. Have you listened to the Word Balloon Balloon interview with him? I don't listen to other podcasts. Oh, okay. oh no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> See, no, he, I, he I, talks I, about the late stuff because he kind of mentioned how going in, he told Marvel there is no way it could do Young Avengers constantly for more than a year. 
Well, yeah. then Marvel should have hired someone that could. <laughs> Period. That's, there, there's too many good writers out there. That's, you know, I don't care if you write the OC. I, I like Young Avengers. That's one of my one of the books I look forward to. But if a guy can't commit to getting stuff out on time, then you know. Well, I would say Mark, not the fine Alan Amber. <laughs> True. Yeah, you told him. Absolutely right. Uh, who owns Smallville? It, uh, how do you guys feel about this whole Seagull Superboy deal? You know, I've heard that in Infinite Crisis, and uh, spoil a little bit, but uh, there are Superboys dying left and right. And I've heard that DC is going to get rid of the Superboy yeah. character, rename him, and they're doing this because be- because. because of the lawsuit. See, that's only something I've heard recently about that because. I'd always been under the impression that a lot of the lawsuits involved, as far as the comic books went, were kind of settled, and it was stuff outside of that. But, I mean, the whole thing is very confusing at this point, because now you're dealing not even with the original people, you're dealing with their descendants, and that's when stuff gets, I mean, it's really complicated about it. They go into legalese, they say, well, it's Superboy, but young Clark Kent using his powers. Well, that's not Superboy, but if he puts on the costume, now he's Superboy. It's like, uh, I have no idea. I mean, it's based on the fact of whether Siegel got screwed over by DC, but just the fact that it's one of those things that when it goes on long enough, none of the original people involved are with it anymore, so that's when it never evolved. You know, are, are we hopefully at a point in comics and dealing with creators that are savvy enough to know when to sign off rights and and hold on to stuff? Where when it's going to be twenty years from now, and you know, Bendis is going to be saying, "Oh, but Dana Pilgrim is 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 my character. You can't use her in a TV show." I don't know. Alan Morris complaining about that. Yeah. Let's not get into that. I, I think that's why a lot of this is there. You know, Sal, how do you feel about the the Seagulls and and Superboy? Well, you know, I don't know enough about the the actual case to to comment too much on it. Uh, you know, I would agree with Tom that once you get past the original creator and the original licensee of the product, it, things tend to get ugly because there's not so much a connection any longer. You have you know family members that are looking at it from one aspect of not only monetarily but um, also nostalgia and holding on to a piece of, of, of someone that's passed away for them and and so they're going to you know fight uh, and, and pull out all the stops because of that um, but then you, you know you have a company that is just you know sort of trying to do their business and on one hand, you know, on one hand, they they understand and they may sympathize, but on the other hand, it's still uh, a legal process. So, you know, it, it it's probably going to get uglier before it's finished. Do you, do you seriously think that the seagulls are doing? I'm not saying that they're wrong. I, I'm not saying that they're not owed, owed something. But do you seriously think that they're doing this out of nostalgia instead of monetary reasons? Well, it's certainly a, a um, legacy issue. I mean, if, you know, if that was your father or grandfather and, you know, you're trying to hold on to some part of it, I think, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's just purely money. 
I mean, maybe it is. I don't know them, but to say that it's just they're doing it simply for for money, you know, that that's easy to say. But I don't know that's necessarily cool. the truth. If, if it was someone that was in your family that had created that product, I mean, you know, that character, and then you saw them get, you know, basically stolen from. I think that there would be more, you know, if it was just money, I think it would be simpler. Well, I what, but. The legacy of it is that now DC is going to phase that character out. There's not going to be a Superboy anymore. That doesn't say much for for Joel Siegel's legacy. Well, that's, there might not be a Superboy in DC or the DC universe, but that doesn't mean there won't be a Superboy any longer. I think there's a certain sense where nostalgia gets mixed with money. <laughs> it's the two, you know, like it's not one or the other. It almost feels to me a lot of times with why I mean, there's been a couple of cases like this with comic book. It's way harder once the person has maybe you know Siegel at some point would have said, "Oh, whatever, I'll take this much money for it." But when people get emotion attached with money attached with what you think you deserve, that's when stuff gets really complicated. And I don't think there's a fine line between nostalgia and money because money causes a lot of problems emotionally too you know you may think you, know, you deserve this and you didn't get it so I think it's I think it's complicated I mean it's very complicated uh, well, let's let's move on to some lighter fare um, win a trip to Comic Con go to darkhorse.com can do <laughs> <laughs> I'm already going already I, I registered actually uh, I mean it was really hard don't go register no one out there go register yeah. Can't you can't win it? Most likely, no, it's a series of two hundred questions. It, w- it was very easy to register for, and it's always nice. Uh, I got to sign up for the Dark Horse newsletter, which Sal already subscribes to. That's oh. one of the places that he gets all the great news that we get on the site. Uh, but it was really easy to register for. You get the newsletter. Uh, go do it, and, and and if you get a trip to Comic Con because you heard it on Around Comics, well. Give us something. Or I will give you fifty dollars to buy something for me, and then you <laughs> can pay for the postage to send it to me. And then you'll get a glossy eight and a half by eleven. Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> what a deal! I, I, ha- I have the glossy eight and a half by ten of my bedroom. Like and stop by the room. Yes, and, and if you are going to uh, to Comic Con, stop by and say hi to Dave. They sell horror comics. <laughs> 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 okay, guys. Uh, White Tiger, and and I had to whip out some really bad uh, French pronunciation. So I'm hoping that his name is Brione. Uh, White Tiger. Yeah, I know Dave that you are an avid Daredevil reader. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this character going into her own comic? Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, I liked it in Daredevil. Uh, I don't really know much about White Tiger and the legacy behind it. And a the, guy gets an amulet and right, he gets but powers. there's something That's about the amulet it. where he's also linked to like Panthers somehow. There's something I don't know. Tigers with these, and Panthers. Well, something about the amulet. There are three parts of this amulet. Different people have had this thing, and you know, when it comes together, you get these powers. And um, I, I don't know. I I I might get into it because I have an old. Spectacular Spider-Man issue from the '70s that has White Tiger, and I thought it was really cool when I was a kid. And then I liked it in the Bendis thing and what happened there. So 
it could be interesting. It all depends on who writes it, what the story's really about. You know, she's a... Is it the, uh, or an ex-federal agent. Or I don't know if she's an ex-agent. I know that she kind of was on the outs with the head of the FBI because of what happened with Daredevil. Because so, of the Murdoch deal. That, that would, could story. be interesting if they mix in some of that FBI stuff and, you know. Sal, have you seen some of the uh, the beginning uh, sketches or some of the beginning art pages? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I did see some of that. It, it looks. I don't. I've never heard of um, this French illustrator before, but that's not surprising because I'm not French. But um, but it looked pretty amazing. Um, oh, it looked beautiful. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll I'll pick that book up or not. You know, as my as my pappy always said, I think I I'd rather sandpaper a bobcat's butt in a telephone booth than than read a bad book. I'm never gonna live that down. <laughs> uh, but no, actually, seriously though, it did. It, it does does look good. It's an interesting character. Um, yeah, depending on on who, you know the the writing of it and if it's you know put together nice, it could be good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking for. It. I I will definitely check it out. Maybe we'll we'll throw it on the top of the stack. Uh, Femme Noir. I I just loved saying the line. Let me. Uh, uh, it is a uh, port nocturne, a politically corrupt crime-ridden metropolis where the smell of gunpowder hangs in the air like cheap perfume. I, I just love reading that. So uh, th- This is a webcomic, and I, I've got to go and look at the story again and see if Femme Noir is actually produced as a regular comic, but you know, it's. I, I think the real story here is promoting comics through websites where you get to go you know, every week get a new issue or a new page, whatever. Uh, do you think, uh, I'll start out with Tom, do you think this is a good way for comics to go to promote, especially smaller press stuff like this? Sure. I mean, it works better than a $3 book, probably. I mean, just realistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much can you lose by putting out a page a week on the internet? I mean, If it's good, people will buy it. Yeah, if it's good, people will buy it. We hope. Um, Sal, I, we had talked about... Uh, Rex Mundy, and I turned you on to the online comic that that they had produced. Did you have a chance to read that? No, uh, I have not had a chance uh, to to check that out yet. I did download it. I have it. Um, I just haven't uh, read it yet. Really good, and I think it is it is the exact way that creators should promote their comics through through the web. It was a supplemental story to that and it was the way it was put out was fantastic. Well bless your thumping gizzard. Oh it was so good. <laughs> uh, yeah so, so if you're interested check it out at naturalcrime.com. Uh, another uh, another comic that's coming out and you'll be able to check it out at Free Comic Book Day through the Viper Comics Presents anthology is Interdimensional Emily. Uh, Dave, are you interested in checking that out? No. <laughs> <laughs> I could have told you that. Uh, sorry. It's just... It's an indie comic. Come on. I know. Well, you know, if it's a uh, free, free comic book day, you pick it up and you check it out and you see if you like it. It's hard for me to say, you know, with this interest, you have a hard time going blurbs. I have to see it. Um, hold it. I have to well, I can see it on the web. I can see preview pages. That's where the web works for me. I can read a few pages of it, get the feel for where the story's going. But hearing a blurb, it's really hard for me to... Well, Tom, you got to check it out? 
Uh, I'm probably I'm gonna buy all of them. Uh, <laughs> Dave's too busy. I'll just borrow the baton. It's easier. Now look at uh, you know I'm the same way kind of like blurbs don't mean a whole lot, but if I see it and I pick it up, I'll look at it. But well, may, 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 maybe that's what free comic book day is all about. You get a free yeah. preview of it. Well, check it out there. Hey, you know, speaking of a cool uh, little thing that uh, I saw somebody do to, to promote a comic, um, who was it? Devil's Due? Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Devil's Due. Silent Devil. Uh, they have a book coming out called um, uh, Tales of Mark Grimm, and it's very sort of a noirish book. But they did a, a little um, downloadable movie trailer for the book and they put a lot of the artwork in there and animated it and a soundtrack to it and it was actually really cool uh, and and got me interested in the book it it, it, uh, it was put together really well and, and produced well and, and you can you can go to their website and get it silentdevil.com uh, but check it out it was pretty cool we've been doing it over at Ronin uh, we have little there's a guy who's been putting together little 30 second trailers for us we were trying to get one made for uh Scar tissue. I don't know where the state of that is. Um, I know the guy had some issues where he couldn't do as much work on those things anymore, but he was putting together these little, they're just like movie trailers and they had musical soundtrack. And our plan was to put it on a uh, battery powered laptop and have him at Convention. the, the tr- conventions, yeah, for people to see as they come by as another attraction. And then also have it on a website and stuff. And I, I think they're pretty cool, but. They, I could put one together myself if I ever had the time, but I just don't. <laughs> True. Uh, guys, Friends of Lulu. Uh, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about this, except for sexual harassment is bad. If you're at a convention... I agree, Chris. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> if you're at a convention, don't go over the boundaries that are set there, or anywhere. And if if this means a lot to you, go to ZeusComics.com. You can donate there, get involved. Uh, everybody I know wants wants women to be involved in comics, to read them, to write them, to draw them. And if if this is a male-dominated market and all that crap out there is prevalent, then, then that's not good. So, well, uh, as long as they know their place. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. God. Oh, oh, send your letters to Tom Caters. Uh, uh, that's right. Well, you know, this issue was, was sort of, you know, highlighted because of an incident that happened at a convention. Um, I, I'm not going to get into the details of it. I'm sure most people have heard about it, whatever. But, you know, the thing that, that sometimes I think gets a little out of control some with with these issues and and not to try and make light of a situation like this obviously sexual harassment is bad and if you don't know that you already have a problem regardless of where you're at but you know to to sort of use that incident to blanket the industry as a whole um and and you know try and as much as i understand trying to promote women in comics and trying to, to crack through because it is an issue it, it you know there, there's um a boys club mentality throughout the whole industry but to try and say that you know one incident of sexual harassment is makes the industry prevalent of that it seems a little bit out of line to me uh, maybe i'm wrong i'm not a woman i've never been sexually harassed if i was i 
you know, didn't pay attention to it, but that's me. Um, it just seems like sometimes people are using incidents like this for their own agendas. Um, certainly not, you know, in this instance, the, the, the victim. I mean, that's not who I'm talking about, but other people that, you know, may get involved with it or try and pr use it to promote some other agenda. And, and that's the thing I'm, you know, w wary of a bit. And, and um, I don't know. It, it's a complicated issue that is not going to be solved unless we certainly talk about it and try and figure out better ways to educate people and and control this kind of thing. Right, and and the you know, to clarify a little bit the the one that you're talking about at the at the convention was went beyond sexual harassment and went into sexual assault. Yes, that's that's a whole other game. But uh, I, I know what you're talking about about different agendas, and we have to be very careful of being hypersensitive to this and knowing that there are people out there that will further agendas at the expense of the victims of certain crimes. So it, it, it is a big issue and you know it's more more than we're going to talk about today. Uh, so let's talk about crayons. What a segue. Yes. Next wave <laughs> in crayon. Uh, just a neat little promotion thing. I don't know if it's a big story, but uh, uh, Sal, you are a next wave reader. Are you interested in picking up the crayon butcher variant? Well, I, I don't think I. I mean, I don't think I will, just because I generally don't pick up variant covers of stuff that I already have or, or uh, reprints of stuff that I already have. But I, I like the idea. I mean, it's it's certainly in line with that book. Um, I, I enjoy Next Wave a lot. I just read the latest issue, and it's it's just a fun, funny, ridiculous sort of book. And and uh, you know, this kind of promotion is is you know perfectly in line with what that you know that title is all about. So. I think it's kind of key, kind of cool. Dave had a great quote while we were listening to the news. He, he goes, "How are you going to color it with one crayon? Yeah. <laughs> you get one color, monochromatic. I can't man. Express my creativity with one color. <laughs> I need the whole, I need the big sixty-four box. Okay. <laughs> you need amber <laughs> to make it work. That's the special one. Where's my flesh color? <laughs> Where'd it go? Where's flesh? Use peach. <laughs> Uh, the last story, this is one, it's every week we record, DC goes back to press. But this time, when I was recording the news, what I got sick of saying was, with a new pencils-only variant. Pencils-only. God, just reprint the book. God. Well, how are you going to get people to buy both? Print more? <laughs> you got, I know people who get I don't Pencil-only thing doesn't really attract me at all. Well, there must be a market for it. There is. Somebody's yeah. got to be buying. You know, they'll buy the first one, then they'll buy the second they're one, wrong. and if they want to do it, it's their money. They yeah. can spend it any way they want. I'll, those I'll are, buy those, one. Those are the people that don't care about product and in comics. Yeah, you're probably hey. right. Did you hear that, people? I got four on order. What are you talking about? Listen up, you pencil-drawing bastards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, though, that it's like, we're going to give you something exclusive by 
taking all the work out of it. The finished product, we're going to chip it down to its you know, sketch. And, and instead of a fully col colored and inked you know, product, we're, we're just going to give you the sketch of it, and it's something special. Original Google. Wow. With the script. It even has the, uh, it, it even looks like a bar napkin. Yeah. <laughs> this is a plea to DC or Marvel or whoever. Stop doing this. Just reprint it. Put second printing on the inside cover and send them out. Stop trying to appeal to this collector mentality. Well, and my appeal to collectors is stop yeah. buying them. The only way they're going to stop doing it is if people stop buying it. Stop I mean, buying that's them. the only way. I mean, so I'd like to make an impassioned plea to everyone who's listening. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. To rise up against the oppressors. I am horribly offended by pencil jars. <laughs> you know, you think if, if they reprint like a cover that has a Coca-Cola billboard on it, you know, Coke might get upset if it's only in pencil? <laughs> that is like everyone in it is having the greatest summer day of their life. <laughs> and a coconut. And a coke. And a smile. Yeah. Superboy. <laughs> Every, yeah, everybody on the panel at one point got burnt all of the gold stamped variant cover. If you consider having the entire executioner's song <laughs> in pop getting burnt, and yes, I am guilty. <laughs> Hey man, don't lay your '90s guilt yeah, off yeah. on me, okay? Yeah, Next some week. of us enjoyed all those hologram fail attractions covers. Sorry if that bores you. Well, uh, Tom, Tom always jokes with me and says, "Don't tell me what to buy." Whenever I yeah, whenever don't I'm, tell me what to buy. Well, now I'm telling you what not to buy. If you bought the first printing of something and they come out with a second printing oh, that is pencils only, don't buy that crap. If you didn't get it the first time around and that's all you can get, that's fine. It's I people go. I'm gonna get on a rant. People it's that buy be okay, Chris. people that buy two copies of the same book instead of going out and buying something else. It's oh that frustrates. Well, me. the thing that bothers me is I have someone that will simply just buy two copies of the first run, one to lock away and never look at, <laughs> and one to read once and then never look at. So, to me, the people that are buying the second printing are just kind of, you know, weak. You know, they're not out there getting the getting the true collector's mentality. Now that everyone hates me. <laughs> I'm electroplating all my comics. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't dipped in bronze. Here come the slap books. Yeah. I'm, I've ranted enough. Sal, you got anything? on the news today. Uh, no, I did want to mention on our uh, on the website though we now have uh, news feeds. Um, there's a uh, under the news uh, menu. There's a there's a, a sub menu called news feeds, and that's basically other websites, other comic book websites that offer RSS feeds. Um, you can go there and just sort of get recaps of their newest news, and then click on there and go to their site if you if it's something you want to read. So just a new feature on our website. And I want to chime in. We'll get into it in announcements. First of all, I have nothing to do with the website. I don't do anything. I, I submit articles from time to time. Sal's work on the website kicks ass. That Around Comics site is kicking mm -hmm. so much butt. If you have not visited it, please go. I Sal, golf clap. Thank you. I'm going to blush. 
<laughs> the, the site kicks ass. Um, we like you. We really, really like you. Really <laughs> well, you know, it's a labor of love. Yes. I can tell that you love that. Well, I think that will wrap us up for Wired Wire Comic News. Please go to the website, check out the full versions of these stories, and it is updated almost daily, so go visit. Um, that means it is time for Top of the Stack. Top, top of the Stack. That's right, it is Top of the Stack. Our chance every week to let you know what we have been reading. Mr. Salazar, what is your Top of the Stack? Um, my top of the stack this week is a book you mentioned that you turned me on to called Rex Mundy. Uh, you gave me the uh, the first trade to check out. Uh, it's called uh, Book One, The Guardian of the Temple. Um, and this is a book I had been hearing things about for probably a couple, I don't know, a couple years maybe? No, it hasn't been that long, but for a while. And, uh, and heard a lot of good things about it, just never got a chance to read it, but I was really glad that you, uh, you picked up the trade and let me borrow it, because it, it was, uh, it was right up my alley, it was something I really enjoyed. It's basically <clears throat> a quest for the, uh, the Holy Grail told as a murder mystery. Um, it's, uh, set in a alternate history Europe, um, where the Catholic Church still uh, reigns supreme uh, they never lost their you know grip on power in Europe and magic exists um, and there are a few other things that are different um, but much of it is you know is set in sort of our timeline just an alternate reality of it um, the United States uh, Civil War of the United States United States was ended in a uh, impasse and now there's like a Confederate States of America and the northern states of America or something like that but but this book is uh, is based in Europe and um, the detail that went into this story is pretty impressive I started uh, reading it and it, it's it's a mystery, so you're you're picking up clues. Uh, you're following uh, Dr. Julian Saunier uh, as he investigates the theft of a scroll from uh, a crypt of this church in Paris. Uh, his friend, who uh, is the uh, the bishop, or no, I'm sorry, he's not the bishop. He's the priest there in the church. He uh, he was the caretaker uh, of this secret archive of. Of information, and someone stole this scroll from there, and and uh, and then ended up uh, getting this doctor involved in it, and and he's trying to figure out um, this murder mystery from there on out. And as you go along through the book, you start picking up things, and and there's there's different um, clues given uh, to him. And as I started to research some of this stuff, it, it's all sort of based in reality. Uh, there's a, a painting he sent to a gallery uh, looking for this clue, and there's a painting um, by uh, uh, an artist, and I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, sorry, but um, I started to research that painting, and there's all these like conspiracy theories about this painter and the paintings that he did, this one specifically, um, in real life, in, in, and it's there's all sorts of things like that woven into this tale um things that are conspiracy theories and you know different mysteries throughout history uh that the writers here have have, have 
put in this book to tell a really interesting tale. The art is fantastic. Um, it, the detail in the buildings and the scenery is some of the best I've ever seen. It, it really adds to the feel of the of the book. And I, I, I tell you, I picked this up, I started reading it, and I couldn't put it down. And, and I think you said the same thing, Chris. You just once you started reading it, you wanted to find out what happened. Uh, and and it, from beginning to end, I, I couldn't stop reading it. So. Um, just uh, oh, one more thing. The, the, it's written uh, and lettered by Arvid Nelson. The artist is Eric J. And colors by Jeremy Cox. It's put out by uh, Image Comics. And it's fourteen ninety five for the first trade. And I, I believe there's a second trade all, already available. So if you're into history at all, mysteries, murder, suspense, intrigue, politics, it's all in here and it's very well done. So Rex Monday is my top of the stack. I absolutely love that book. Why I didn't hear about it makes me angry. I'm ranting all over the place tonight, but um, it is it is produced by Image. But it is uh, the reason I I found this book is because it was in one of our news stories. Because it's moving from Image to Dark Horse, starting with I believe issue 19. And I was like, hey, that sounds pretty cool. So I got the first trade. Unbelievable. Absolutely love this book. So, Dave or Tom, have either one of you read it? No. no. Will soon. I will. I was kind of out of it, but um, the LCS was out of it. So, I'll get around to it when I, I see it next. It, it was... Any, anyone out there that liked Brian's uh, recap of it, thinks that sounds like something that they would like, you will like it even more than that. It, this book is not one that you just flip through. It's great, and, and I'm, I'm mad at you for doing this as your top of the stack because that's what I was going to do next week. <laughs> Sorry, man, couldn't help myself. Yeah, I, I got to say though, I mean, I, it's 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 a pretty dense work too. I mean, there's a lot going on in the book, and I actually want to go back and read it again. So you're not getting it back for another couple of weeks. Okay, oh. that's, I, that's fine. Yeah, I, I do have the second trade. I'll throw that your way. I mean, this is a book that has like newspaper articles at the end of each issue that has. You know, stories of characters that are in the book, and it's so good. Uh, Dave, what is your top of the stack? Uh, my top of the stack this week is the Squadron Stream number two uh, by J. Michael Straczynski uh, with Gary Frank doing the pencils, uh, Chris Sotomayor on the colors, and Jonathan Seibel and VCO letterer. Um, basically, this is it. The team has been assembled, and the nudity foul language are gone. Continuing the story uh, that was begun in Supreme Power, Squadron Supreme is the entire super team now. And the book is no longer published as an adult imprint. Now it is a standard Marvel book with the parental advisory warning above the barcode. And at the same time, I'm actually reading the original Squadron Supreme Grunwald's series from the 1980s. So I think that the fan of that original series from the 80s will find this new Squadron Supreme uh, much more they found uh, Supreme Power, which was its predecessor, um, because now we've got the whole team together and you start to see um, a lot of the same aspects that were brought out in that original 80s series being um, updated, but on completely new. 
uh, uh, twist on what happened in the old story. Uh, in this second issue, uh, we have um, the new team goes on their very first mission. Uh, an, an African dictator is using mind control techniques to commit genocide. Now, uh, old Squadron Supreme fans will uh, seem a, uh, that might seem a little bit familiar. Hear about this uh, this evil villain because it does. Uh, go back to a villain that was very prominent in the original series, and that's one of the reasons I think this new series is um, going to be really enjoyed by old fans uh, of that original uh, Squadron Supreme. But I think this is really an updated version. It's uh, much more, I would say it's an extremely realistic, often personal, and always thought-provoking book at what it might really be like if the iconic superheroes... Uh, that we all know were to exist in our real world. And I just love this book. The It has not let me down yet. When it was Supreme Power, it was great. And then it went over to the same story continued in the Supreme Power Hyperion Mini. And now this new uh, Squadron Supreme series goes right off from that story. And I just think it's outstanding. And the art, for some reason, in this issue... Gary Frank's um, pencils really struck me as always thought it was good, but this one with his subtlety, facial expressions, the moods that are brought out, just I really think he knocked the ball out of the park on this one, and I can't recommend this one enough. And from a guy, you know, I find that a lot of super these days, um, the old style stuff, um, and the, a lot of superheroes I'm not really into. Um, but I find a book like this that really gives you something to think about um, while they're exploring the ideas of superheroes along with the um, a hundred other ideas at the same time. And that's why I really like this book. So it's uh, Go Out and Get Dream. Issue 2 is out. Well, anyone that's listened to the show before knows that I love this book. It's uh, I actually did the first Squadron Supreme as a top of the stack a uh, month or so ago, and I uh, haven't read the second issue, but I thought that the transition from the Supreme Power to Squadron Supreme was very good. Sal disagreed with me a little bit. Um, oh, I would also like to uh, throw in the, uh, the Nighthawk mini, which also bridged the gap in between the, the Max series and the Marvel series. Um, Sal, have you continued to pick up Squadron Supreme? I picked up the first one. I, I also have the second one. I haven't read the second one yet, and and I still like it. I just think, um, for me, it, it you know it lost a, a little bit of its edge that I enjoyed from the first series, and especially that Nighthawk series. If that didn't have some of the more mature themes and language and violence, I, I think. Not that I, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much, I just think the story would have suffered a bit because of it, and maybe I'm just, you know, too immature or something, but um, I just think that, that the issues that they're dealing with, specifically in that Nighthawk book, it's hard to tell something like that and and take all those things out of it and still be, you know, realistic or gritty enough, uh, for my taste at least. Yeah, I, I think that Squadron Supreme is doing a, a fine job from the first issue. I didn't, I didn't even notice that it was Max title. It's, 
you know, it's the, they have the the naked females and whatnot. They they put them in costume, but the way that they did it made sense. And yeah, you know, it's if it gives this book a brighter a broader audience, I'm all for it. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah, that's the, and that's why they did it. So you know, you can't argue with that. I mean, everybody should certainly be able to enjoy it. I think an interesting companion book to read with this, if you like Squadron Supreme, you should pick up American Way. Because I think there's a lot of parallels between those two books. Mm-hmm. So, Sal, have you read American Way yet? Uh, yes, I did. Do um, you see some parallels between the two of them? Um, you know, it's hard for me to draw those kind of things just because I, I really separate books in my own mind uh, a lot. I, I just the, the the heroes, you know, it's like what they would be like in... Well, certainly the government involvement, I mean, in both of those books, and and sort of the uh, behind-the-scenes look. Um, I I think I might actually be enjoying uh, the American Way end of that a little bit more, because they're going a little bit more into um, sort of their marketing ploy uh, with that group of heroes, as opposed to um, the, the pure control that the government is looking for out of uh, uh, Squadron Supreme. Yeah, I, I, I love Squadron Supreme. So. And I would say also as a companion thing, they've got that old Squadron Supreme Grunwalds. Mm-hmm. It's, I had only read a couple of issues back when it originally came out, and I have like maybe three issues of it, and, but now I'm rereading it now, and it gives you a whole other perspective of where this new series is coming from. And when yeah, I loved that when it first came out. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you remember that story, or if you haven't read it and read it, it'll really be a nice companion reading the new Bottom Supreme. I, I love how it all originated. It's really what a spoof on the JLA, right? Yeah. I, I like Squad Supreme better than any JLA story I've, I've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mr. DC fan, uh, what's your top of the set? Well, if uh, you guys are done with the serious books, I'm going to pick one that's funny. It's a Superior Showcase from Ad House Comics. It's an anthology of three stories by different uh, indie artists and writers, and it's two ninety five, so that makes it four cents cheaper than most of <laughs> most of like the big two books. And it does a great job of making fun of comic book superheroes and the sort of pretensions that we all have about them, which is funny. And uh, <laughs> the first story is a little hit and miss, but the the middle one about the former mod from the 60s with metal arms, I find to be quite clever. And the last one is a hilarious pastiche of Batman and Nightwing, which I think is really, really funny. And it also manages to make fun of hipsters. So... Uh, living in Chicago, I really appreciate any attack upon the people on the bus I see wearing women's jeans, even though they're men. So that's the end of mine. <laughs> Who are the artists? Oh, uh, yeah, I should mention that. Huh? Art? You mean you mean the art? Uh, Nick Pazzi does the first story. Mike Dawson does the second. Um, for the third one, it's Dean Tripp or Trippy. Trip. Trip and John Campbell do the third one. You said Bertozzi? Bertozzi yeah. did that? Let's see that. Yeah, Bertozzi did that. Those it's are good. those are some pretty good names. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll have to check it's that out. That sounds I, I haven't read that, but um, I mean it's not anything 
earth shattering. There's it's got a few corny jokes in there, but there's some moments, especially in the last story by uh, Tripp and Campbell, about jokes about Nightwing, especially one about um, a character that's playing Robin. Someone says, "Oh, are you dressed up as uh, Night for Halloween?" And they're like, "Why?" And he's like, Let's "Look generically upset about something." <laughs> 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 Which is sort of a you know it's pretty it's pretty funny and it's pretty clever and for yeah yeah <laughs> for three short stories they, they, it's pretty funny I enjoyed it I was really pleasantly surprised yeah it looks cool yeah. all right well thank you Tom uh, my top of the stack this week I uh, I have to owe this one to uh, to Mr Wachter he uh, suggested that he's got about three books that he. Had suggested to me in the last uh, couple weeks that I have absolutely loved. So I owe him for many, many hours of enjoyment recently. Uh, my top of the stack is Off-Road. It is written and drawn by Sean Murphy. It is published by Oni Press, and it, it's a trade paperback, and it comes in at eleven ninety-five, and it is worth every penny. Um, off-Road has appeal for a variety of readers, uh, but if you are a guy, this book has some special meaning. Going home after you've moved on to the next phase of your life can be tough. There are high expectations, old ghosts, and the constant fear that you just don't fit into a place that you may have never fit into anyway. But for myself, there was always one constant when I traveled back to my hometown. My friends were always there to greet me and welcome me back into the fold. No matter how far away I had been or what new friends I had made, they were always uh, there for me. Always had been, they always will be. Often the friends I thought I knew revealed new sides to themselves that gave me new respect for them. These important facets of life and personality were always buried in these silly politics of being a teenage boy. Off-road brought me back to a time when road trips here run for the most of my life. It does what title suggests path and it forces the characters in the book to face their past, their futures, each other, and more importantly, themselves. Offer deals with some pretty heavy issues. Spousal and child abuse, alcoholism, isolation, and it also deals with the horse and rednecks and bottle rock. But that's what I loved about Offroad. Teetered on the edge of being pretentious, but it never took itself too seriously. John Murphy moved the story from one confrontation to the next, but never forgot to entertain us and put a smile on our face. Offroad is a fantastic story about buddies, beer, and skid plates. Take an afternoon to flip through the old high school yearbook and then read Offroad. I bet you'll be on the phone talking to old friends by the end of the night. And Offroad is my top of the stack. Were you reading that? Yes, I was. <laughs> I, I, I know it sounds so bad, but I, I got I got so sick of top of the stack going. Yeah, yeah. It book and it was cool. But then something happened and this happened. Yeah, the art was kind of nice, and I'm like, okay, I'm 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 gonna write. Did you so, just rip on the record? You did write it yourself, though, right? I did write it myself. Okay. Yes. So on sale from. Oh wait, I cut that part out. <laughs> well, you know, Chris was kind enough to to lend me Dave's copy of, of Off-Road, and I've read about three-quarters of it, and, and it is it is um, a very funny, very touching, uh, just entertaining book. It, I, I've enjoyed it so far, and I'll probably finish it tonight. Um, it, it, like you said, it, it deals with some serious topics, but it never takes itself very seriously, and uh, or at least too seriously. 
and, and the art in it is really good. I really enjoyed his style of art. I, I hadn't seen his his work before, but uh, very cool, uh, different kind of style and and uh, entertaining. Yeah, yeah. D- Dave will Dave will not hugging me, asshole. <laughs> Great wine in the book, but uh, yeah, if you if you like buddy movies and just uh, just fun books about guys going out and getting crazy and bonding together and just good guy fun. It is so good. And if you're a woman, don't read it. It's probably not a checkbook, seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, unless you enjoy seeing guys being stupid and reckless and, well, guys... Yeah, pretty much anyone that's dating a comic book fan is used to that type of (laughs) stupid behavior. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is a buddy book. Yeah, it, it's it's probably not. I think if you like something like Swingers, the movie Swingers, oh, yeah. I think that's right up the same kind well, of alley. He, he, here's an older movie, great movie by the way. But have you ever seen Fandango? Mm-hmm. Uh, early Kevin Costner, uh, Judd, Judd Hirsch, I think was was in that. <laughs> Judd Hirsch, Judd Nelson, I forget, I get them confused. Oh, okay, 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 that totally makes sense. Which one? I think you think of Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson, okay. Um, <laughs> Judd Hirsch. Well, Judd, wasn't there Judd Reinhold or something? Judge Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold, I'm sorry, you're right. My name is Judge. Judge. If you like off-road, watch Fandango. If you like Fandango, read off-road, because they're both about groups of friends that are moving on into different phases of their life and they kind of take this like last road trip and it reveals all these different layers of their personalities and there's the two guys that really you know bond in this and you know it's like a a Vietnam era uh, and two of these two of the four friends have been drafted into the military and they're getting ready to go out to Vietnam Ah, you're spoiling it for me Oh, uh, I haven't even gotten to that point yet. They should just watch no, no, Red no. Dot. No, no, that's that's Fandango. Oh, <laughs> good God! I no. thought you were talking about Off Road. Away. It's like what? When did that happen? I don't remember reading anything about Vietnam. No, it's a modern day tale, but he does get drafted to Vietnam. But check out Off Road. Um, that is our top of the stack. Hey, hey, one second. Um, I just wanted to, a couple of things, go back to my top of the stack, if that's okay. Uh, I just wanted to mention, I, I looked up that artist and that painting. It was Nicholas Poussin, and yes. the painting is The Shepherds of Arcadia. And if you start looking up the history of that painting while reading this book, you'll get a much better understanding of of what's going on with this story, because there's a lot of um, controversy about that painting and blah, blah, blah. That, and I, I did want to read this... Um, this quote on the back of the book by Brian K. Vaughan. He said, Truly original ideas are worth their weight in gold, but a truly original idea executed with as much intelligence and obvious passion as Rex Mundy is priceless. A top-of-the-stack comic month after month. Well, Brian, I just wanted to let you know that's a copyrighted phrase, and you owe me Why the Last Man. (laughs) I also have something to add about my book. It is a color cover. (laughs) So... Black and white book. I just want to make that 100% clear to everyone. It's not a pencil variant color 
Cool. Not until the second printing. Oh. It, it was so great. When, whenever I, you know, I, I love this Rex Monday book, and I let Sal borrow it. Like the next day, he comes in and he's like, "Oh man, that was really great." You know, I got on the internet and I started researching all this stuff, and I read this book about about Renaissance paintings and conspiracy theories, and I'm just like, "Man, you really did like that book." Wow. <laughs> Is there any way to get any product placement into Rex Monday? Well, um, it's. What, what what kind of product? Wine, <laughs> sort of like absinthe ads. Absinthe, yeah. There's probably well, they have full newspaper articles at the end of every chapter, so you could easily pop, you know, some uh, ancient torture devices or something. Well, the weird thing is this, you know, it's hard to tell when this book is supposed to be. France, 1933. Yeah, never mind. It says <laughs> it, it says it on the first page. No. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Never but, mind. But, but it is an alternate reality Europe. So yeah, read Rex Money. It is, it is so good. Okay, now, now are we done? Yeah, Don't sorry. Read. <laughs> okay, that will that will complete our top of the stack for the week. Uh, that brings us to some announcements. Uh, Mr. Salazar, what do you got for us in the way of announcements? A um, couple of things. I just wanted to uh, to let everybody know about the uh, the website we've you know I've done some changes over the last couple of weeks. Um, added some stuff. Uh, I talked about the news feeds already. There's also a submission or submit button on the menu um, if you would like to submit reviews or news articles, or if you're a creator that has a preview coming out, you can go on there and submit it, and we'll take a look at it. And if and if it's um, up to the high standard of around comics. Um, in other words, if every we'll other word anything. isn't misspelled, yeah. uh, we'll put it up on the site. So, you know, if you have stuff to contribute, feel free to go on the site and do that. We also have, um, because of some problems with uh, the forum that we were having, the, the Comic Book Geek Speak forum, uh, forum uh, has been having some issues, server issues lately. So we put our own forum up on the site now. So come there and, and check it out, uh, and post away and tell us how much uh, you love me and hate Chris. And um, other than that, I think uh, that was about it on the on the website. There's you know there's some other things we're. we're Always looking for advertisers. We have now uh, advertising space available if anyone want to advertise on the site. Uh, Coca-Cola or you know Nike. We're, we're more than happy to you know sell you banner space, that kind of thing. It's but um, I urge you if you enjoy the Iran Comics website <laughs> to let Chris and Sal know how much you don't want product, product placement. <laughs> <laughs> and this episode was brought to you by. <laughs> Tower comics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think on the forum that uh, that Brian Deemer and the guys were uh, were switching over to a new server, so I believe that the forum is going to be back up and running by the time that this episode gets out. But I, I think that I think that we do it's supposed have, to be on Thursday, yeah, like Wednesday, oh. Thursday, because they're at the Pittsburgh Comic Con right now. Okay, so well, he's not going to be able to fix it till he gets back, and the whole reason okay. is because they had a huge spike in. Yeah, thanks, Bendis. Yeah, thanks, Bendis. Bay. Let's hope he never finds out about us, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, so when the so when this uh, episode does drop, uh, come by Ron Comics. Uh, 
and uh, and check out the forum. I, I've got a couple announcements here. Uh, first of all, uh, we would love it if you vote for us at Podcast Alley. David Price was kind enough to start a thread on the forum about that, so you can go and click on that. What I would prefer is, you know, go vote at Podcast Alley. That's great. But what I prefer is tell a friend about the show. If you're at the local comic shop, if you're talking to your comic buddies, tell them about Around Comics. We would love for you to do that and have them listen in. Uh, here's a reminder to check out some of our podcast brethren. We love Bruce Rosenberg over at Comic Cast. He does a great job. Uh, Collected Comics Library. Chris Marshall, week in, week out, does a wonderful job of running down all of the collected editions, trades, omnibuses, masterworks, anything that is a collected edition. Chris is got the scoop. Uh, Geek Speak. Uh, Ian Levenstein was kind enough to have me on a Geek Speak episode about a week ago, so go check him out. Ian is a great guy and runs a very good podcast. The Pop Cult Online by our friend Rick Gordon, or Maximum Glory as we like to call him. Indie Spinner Rack. This is such a great podcast. Even if you don't read indie books, this is 45 minutes to an hour of just split your gut funny. Uh, Charlie and Mr. Phil are great guys and very entertaining. And, of course, we love uh, Comic Geek Speak and I Read Comics. So please go check out all of our friends there. Um, visit our website for forums, reviews, news, and contact. And, Sal, uh, we've got a contest coming up, our first Around Comics contest. Do you want to run that down for folks? Um, sure, we're going to do a contest uh, where you can... Uh-oh, my dog's are barking, and that's not a... Wrestle time to the ground. <laughs> you, you just did that to, to rip off Comic Geek Speak, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know, I don't listen to other podcasts. Anyway, um, we're going to do a, we're gonna do a, a contest, um, and I don't know that we have the prize figured out quite yet. Um, at the very least, it's going to be probably a trade of your choice. Uh, that's available now, not some out-of-print weird variant stuff. <laughs> but the contest, I think, uh, we had, uh, we're, we're gonna do it in May, and, um, what were we gonna do again? I forgot. Give us a topic. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we talked about a couple of different ones, but, um, send in a topic for the show. Uh, you can email it. You can send us a, a recorded audio email if you want um, that you would like us to do on the show, and we'll pick a winner and uh, pick the tell best us, one and us. talk and do, use that topic and give you some nice prizes. Yeah, tell us why you want to use that topic. Give us a give us some meat in the email. So uh, send that. I would love some audio emails that we could play on the show and see what the listeners think. So I think this will be fun, and and who knows, you might even get to uh, guest um, spot on the show. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. one more thing, I wanted to tell everybody to look for me in the latest issue of Daredevil, and that's my story. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> My my good friend Ed Brubaker was kind enough to uh, to write me in as a, a guard in the in in the prison in the latest issue of Daredevil. Just uh, and until he tells me otherwise, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to talk to Ed at the next uh, Wizard World Chicago. Which, speaking of, 
Get ready for Wizard World Chicago. It is August, what, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. We are going to be there. Let us know if you're coming. We are going to have a dandy time there. And uh, we'll be there in force and recording lots and lots of shows. And everybody uh, that buys us a drink will get a, uh, a nice 8x10 glossy of Tom. <laughs> You'll get better than You'll get to hear me ramble on while drunk about something about. <laughs> if you like him sober, folks. Just, just like how in Chicago gets to enjoy that all the time. <laughs> and you hear me yell, just basically yell at you. <laughs> Alright, guys. I, I think that we have had a fun freewheeling time today. Uh, I would like to thank Tom and Dave and Sal as always for all the hard work that he does. Uh, this has been another episode of Around Comics. Have a great week, and remember, check us out again next Monday. You guys, have a good one. If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, Email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week, where the panel will change, but our mission stays the same, bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics.